Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and all those sorts of things. Anyway, enough of that because I am joined by a member of a Gloucester dynasty and... A future Ulster great, Billy Burns. How are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's okay. Uh, how are things uh, over in Belfast? Yeah, really good. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's been enjoyable. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a change of environment for me from from what I was used to at Gloucester, but um, I've enjoyed my time over here so far. And uh, we started off the season pretty well, which is, yeah, which is positive. And um, so, yes, yeah, so, uh, it's, it's all looking good at the moment. Now, how are you finding the town of Belfast? I went over there last year to watch the Harlequins game and I absolutely loved it there yeah it's got it, it seems to have quite a bad rap from uh, people back in England but since coming over here me, me and my girlfriend live here and we've absolutely loved it it's, um, it's a cool little city there's some, some cool stuff to do in town and then it's great because you're, you're a 10 minute drive away from, from the seaside and you're also a 10 minute drive from the countryside so you've got a bit of um, bit of everything which is nice yeah and the only downside to it are those damn taxis I can't get over how oh, bad yeah. the taxis are yeah they're brutal they are brutal and they, they chew your ear off as well when you get in there, so it's a bit of a nightmare. But um, no, it's, it's it's a cool city. There's loads to do, So and, and we've, we've probably only just scratched the surface. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping for many more good days out, that's for sure. Now, anyone who's seen you play, knows anything about you, listens to how you speak, would say that accent is strictly West Country. However, you've ended up in Ulster, and you're there as a Irish qualified individual. What's the Irish link? Uh, so it's my grandfather. So it's my father's, uh, my father's dad. Um, who, who was Irish. So I've always known that that link was there and, and it's always been a possibility to come over here and um, probably not many people knew it about me. And obviously with, with Freddie playing for England, um, it was it was even more that probably people didn't know. But um, no, it was just, listen, it was, it's, it was a great thing to have and, and it was a great opportunity for me to come over here. I felt like I was at a stage of my career where um, I needed a bit of a change and, and a little bit of a freshen up. Um, and yeah, so it, it's, it's worked out well for me. What's it like joining Ulster? Because obviously, you know, without going too much into the trials and tribulations that that club had last year, you and Will Addison, you two have gone in there, turned the chapter. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, obviously, I've, 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 had, I've had that question quite a lot. And, and what's gone in the past is, is nothing to do with me, really. I, I know that Ulster's a club with a great history. And, and um, I look back at, at when I was a kid and watched rugby and I'd flick the telly on and watch watch also in the European Cup games and, and you'd see them get into the finals and um, achieving achieving big things and, and that's probably been missing over the last uh, last few years. So I looked at the squad that they had here and the coaching staff that they were building and it was um, an exciting one. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just an opportunity for me to go out there and, and like you said, try and 
try something different and, and be in a different environment with a, with, a, with a different group of people. How are you finding the Pro 14 to play in? Yeah, it's um, it, it's good. It's it's a really it's it's a, it's a strangely compared to the Premiership. It's um, obviously just having having teams from from different countries is, is probably one of the strangest things. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's a very fast game. It's it's probably not quite as physical as the Premiership, I'd say, but it's 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 up there definitely in, in skill wise, and, and and I'd say the speed of the games are definitely quicker. Teams are probably more willing to chuck the ball about, whereas in the Premiership it can be quite an nutritional game sometimes where teams just kick the ball back and forth and focus on their set piece and I don't get me wrong that's a massive part of our game but also we want to be able to to run the ball and, and, and take th- take teams through phases so mm. um, it, it suits my game quite nicely so so yeah I'm enjoying it. Do you think it's opened up the way you play a bit more? Yeah I think so yeah I think so I think um, that sort of comes in with with the reason I came over here was um, obviously they didn't have Dan McFarland in at that at that stage but I, but from talking to, to Dwayne Peel the bats coach and Jared Payne the defence coach it was the style of rugby that they wanted Ulster to play, which excited me, and, and like I said, that's a, that's an expansive one where we keep the ball in hand and we take teams through phases and we and we really stress them with good attacking rugby. Um, so obviously, there's going to be times where um, the weather doesn't allow, or, or certain situations in games where we are going to have to be a bit more pragmatic. But uh, I just enjoyed the fact that I was in a team that were willing to take a few risks and, and to play to play some good rugby. It's quite interesting at Ulster now because it seems to be they have gone down. A road not only bringing in new lads, uh, yourself and Will, as I mentioned before, but also giving youngsters a shot. Now, yeah, Mikey Larry, brilliant player, and and also I love I love the fact that he's named after the Bad Boys character too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite I didn't remember that actually, but yeah, fair play, <laughs> it's a good one. We haven't brought that up in front of him yet. Just tell me a little bit about yourself growing up, then, because uh, now, hang on, have I got this right? Are there three brothers or or there two? Yeah, no, three older brothers. I got yeah. Oh, you got three older brothers. So there's four of yeah. you. Four of us in total, yeah, four uh, of us. Right, so obviously I know what Freddie does. Uh, what do the other two do? Uh, so my um, my old man um, and my and my mum, they, they've run a, a family business back in, in Bath, um, mm. a, a plumbing a plumbing company. Okay. Um, and so the oldest brother, Jack, he, he's, um, he works for them and, and pretty much runs the show there now. My, my dad's a little bit older, so he um, he's sort of taking a backseat role and, and, and Jack, my oldest brother's taken that on board and then... The one behind him, Sam, uh, he was in the Royal Air Force oh, awesome. uh, for for about I think probably ten years or so. Um, and uh, he came out he came out a few years ago, and he's come back, and he's he's also now working for the company. Um, so he's helping out at home. Um, so he he lives in Bath as well, and he actually um, he plays. He, he got citizenship when he was he was based in uh, Cyprus for five or six years. So he actually plays for the Cyprus national team as well. Does so, he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, they played. Um, they played Israel on the weekend, which I watched, which they narrowly lost, but he scored a lovely little chip and chase try, which was good, so that now, was good to see. Not so long ago, I'm pretty sure that Cyprus had the longest undefeated record of yeah, any right. national team. Is that right, yeah? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. He told me on numerous occasions. Have you been out there to watch him play? I haven't, actually, no. I went out there um, a long time ago now to watch him play in like a, a sevens tournament, which was just for like a... A Cyprus Invitational team, but I've not seen him play um, for the Cyprus national team. I've watched him; they, they send across uh, like Facebook links and stuff, and I've watched him on on the laptop or whatever. And my, my parents have been out to watch him. Yeah, um, but no, I haven't actually watched him. But if I get the chance to, I'd love to. I used to go out to Cyprus when he was based out there um, for holidays and stuff, and it was always good because I and Apple was only only yeah. two years down the road, which was a good night out. But he also he had he had plenty of cool things to do around his little city. So it's it's, it's a cool little uh, 
cool little story, to be fair. Well, the only time I've ever really felt like I could easily move away from the UK, because I'm pretty homeward bound. I, I do like it in the UK. Uh, yeah is when I went out out Cyprus, and I've got this thing, wherever, wherever I am, this is so sad, isn't it? Where, wherever I am, I will try and train with the local club because I just think it's a cool thing cool thing to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. I, I found Limassol Crusaders, and they train yeah. on the beach. They're basically a bunch of exiles, but not yeah. just British exiles. You've got, like, um, and there's an Argentine guy there. There was... Um, there was a couple of Italian, Italian and French guys there. There was one guy who's actually from Cyprus who was 16 off to Claire, Claremont. But they train on the beach. Instead of going, you know, showers afterwards, straight into sea. Yeah. I thought, oh, I, yeah. I could do this. Mate, it's an awesome lifestyle, isn't it? It is an awesome lifestyle they have out there. Oh, it's absolutely class. Um, so, yeah, I used to, used to always enjoy going out there and, and, and having a holiday there. I watched, like I said, when I watched him play in that sevens tournament, that was pretty cool. Um, I think it was, what was it called? It was the, uh, oh, it was Aquateri Tennis, or it was a tennis tournament. Um, which is quite big out there where all yeah. the teams around the, around the, the sort of place come. So, uh, yeah, it was cool. I assume rugby's in the family then. Um, no, it's um, it's funny you say that. My, my old man, um, he, he didn't start playing rugby till he was late 30s. He, really? Um, he used to, yeah, he used to motocross. <laughs> um, so, and he was very good at it, to be fair. Um, and then uh, I think one of his mates um, asked him to go up and play. I, I might be wrong on this story slightly, but asked him to go up and play, and, and he went up and played, and... Had a good few drinks afterwards, and um, and yeah, the rest is history. So, we obviously grew up going and watching him play up at up at the the club he was at, um, and then we'd always be having a ball in our hands whenever we had the chance. Two on twos, just playing little rugby matches, which would normally end in me in tears. But um, yeah, no, it was all it was all good fun. So we were always raised with, with a rugby ball, and um, we just love sport in general. We're massive football fans. We used to love going go karting and, and all that sort of stuff, and it would always be pretty competitive. So. I think that's where what that's where the street comes from. And are you all fly halves? Uh, no. So um, obviously, me and Fred are both fly halves, and then Sam can play fly half, but he he's played a bit more um, fullback and in the centre. And then Jack, when he used to play, doesn't play anymore. But when he used to play, he would he was a bit of a jack of all trades. To be fair, and pardon the pun, he was <laughs> um, he could play he could play fly half, he could play on the wing, he could play in the second row, which is a a pretty select group of <laughs> yeah. positions, but um, very talented, very talented uh, rugby player. He was he was very good at football. My brother Jack, he's he's good on both feet, which he was naturally gifted with. But um, yeah, so it, it, there's a few of us in, in in a few different positions. Hang on, have I made this up? Have you sponsored a football team? No, I I um, the only thing I did was I coached um, I coached at Cheltenham Saracens Rugby Club. Uh-huh. Um, and I, they, they had a football club running alongside. Uh, well, it wasn't alongside it anymore, but uh, next to that, and, and I, I, um, I did a bit of stuff with them uh, before. But no, I've never, I've never sponsored. I'd love to get involved and do it at some at some stage though. I do I know what that. I love watching footy. I'm, I'm going to be having very, very strong words with Mark Atkinson because he teed me up for that question, and uh, yeah, uh, he'll he, he'll be paying the price. Yeah, yeah. He, he, it's not like I can just spin a few spin a few words that aren't true though. So um, <laughs> what? he's probably got in, he's probably got it mixed up with a rugby club that I was at because I was I was coaching at um, at Cheltenham Sarsons, like I said, and I did loads of work with them up there. So he might have got that one slightly wrong. Yeah. So, but just, if there are any football clubs out there that want sponsorship, hit me up because I'd be keen to get involved. Be very very careful, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think sponsoring a sports club, a rugby club, in fact. Pre- Pretty much anything. It's just a guaranteed yeah. way to throw money down d- down the drain. Yeah, I know. I do. I, I'm that sort of bloke, though. I, just, <laughs> I like I like I like taking a few risks. So, yeah. Well, I mean, why don't you go and just buy yourself a racehorse? I almost did not long ago with a couple of the boys at Gloucester, but I bottled it last minute. In fairness, with um, 
James Hansen, he, he's uh, he's got a, a racehorse now. Um, there's a few of them, I think. I'm not sure who the rest of them are in the syndicate, but I bottled it. So I couldn't put my money where my mouth was. Well, uh, someone approached me through work to, to, to put into to a syndicate. Initially, yeah. I quite liked the idea. It's just too much effort. And it's, the, yeah, know, it's yeah. not the upfront cost. It's all the ongoing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to watch it. I'd be too nervous if it got hurt. Yeah. I'd be I'd be poor myself, so And then you got to shoot the thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I know. It's savage, isn't it? Yeah. I do like I do like going to the races. I used to always go to Cheltenham races. Um and watch the horses and stuff, so I'll never say never, but not right now anyway. Uh, now, leaving Gloucester, um uh, yeah. it all seemed a bit sudden. Now, yeah. Was that basically how it was? Uh, no, listen, it was it was I can see it uh, how it's got sore like that and, and I can understand people's um people's opinions and stuff like that. But for me it was obviously listen, um Gloucester signed Danny Cipriani at the end of that year. Um and I and I and I'm one of those players that um for me I, I, I don't like not being involved and I like playing week in, week out and I, I struggled to see where I'd get that at Gloucester. Not that I'm not competitive mm. um and I wouldn't back myself, but I just felt like I was I was gonna struggle and I was also just at a stage where I was just so comfortable at Gloucester and I know a lot of people will go, well, that's brilliant. But also you can, you can get a little bit too comfortable. And I, and I just felt like it was the right time. And obviously also we're in, we're in need of, of a fly half. And, and I, I sort of uh, fitted that bill. Um, and, and like I said, I, I, I wanted to have a look. And as soon as I came over and, and had a little look around and got to know a bit more about the place, it just seemed like the right thing for me to do. And like I said, at the moment, I know it's very early days. I'm, I'm only, I've only been here for three or four months, but... Um, I'm enjoying myself over here. I'm, I'm enjoying the rugby. I'm enjoying the boys at the club. Um, I feel like I'm improving as a player, which is obviously a main thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's um, it was a sudden change, but it was there was a lot of, of thought behind it. And, and like I said, at the moment, it feels like it was the right decision for me to make. How many years were you at Gloucester for? Oh gosh, I don't even know. Um, like since age guess, fifteen or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I would have been there. Yeah, a long, long time. Um, probably eight, eight. Eight or nine years, not all of them senior years. I think yeah. probably senior for for five five years or so. I guess when you think about professional sportsmen, a lot of them move around quite a lot. But actually, yeah. that must have been quite a big deal the first day that you arrive at training. Yeah, um, it, it was huge because I, I've I've got a lot of really good friends at Gloucester as well, and I've got a lot of good good memories there. And and I still watch the Premiership and I support Gloucester till the cows come home. I I, I love the club and, and I think it's a club going in a, in a good direction. It was just like I said, it just felt like the right thing for me to do at the, at the time. And I spoke to spoke to my family and, and my friends and my girlfriend and, and my parents and um, they all they all agreed and and it, and it just it just so worked. So yeah, it was a massive massive deal. But I still go. But I had a week off last week and I went back to to Cheltenham for a couple of days because I've still got a property there and caught up with the boys and, and that, that never leaves you. Once you've got those friends, they stay forever. So um, hmm. as much as it was a big decision, it was also the right decision for me. Why do people call you Steve? Uh, you have to get Mark Atkinson back on the phone. There's absolutely no reason for it at all. <laughs> there's honestly, there's honestly not. It, it was, um, it was actually, it was a toss up between him and Billy Meeks. I, I, I got called it. I think the reason they called me Steve was because they like to think that Steve was the sort of name where you do something stupid if you're called Steve. Does that make sense? Which, don't get me wrong, to anybody you called Steve, listen to it, I think Steve's a lovely name. But it just stuck with me. Um, um, it, yeah, it's, it's just stuck for years. I was actually talking to a couple of boys about it when I went back and we were saying how it's got absolutely no 
rhyme or reason for being my nickname, but it's just stuck. So no grounding um, whatsoever. Yeah. What, so, Not, nothing whatsoever. Not that I know of, anyway. There might be something that everyone's laughing about behind behind my back, but. Not that I know of. During your Gloucester days, people are calling out Steve rather than yeah, Bill. Steve, yeah, 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 Steve, yeah. yeah. Mark, Mark was the one who probably um, drove it home most, and then everybody just sort of caught onto it as well. And the worst thing was was I, I was not really responding to Billy. I was only really responding <laughs> to Steve. So, uh, yeah, it, was, it was an interesting one. But like you said, I, I had a couple of referees look at me funny on the pitch because I'd be going to kick for the corner or whatever, and boys would be going out shouting Steve for like a, a little quick tap or something like that. They sort of be looking at me going, they got something wrong here. Who's this Steve Geezer? But um, yeah, no, it's a funny one. It is, uh, it, I think it will stick forever as long as I know those boys anyway. You and Mark are quite close because from what I remember interviewing him, did you guys not swap shirts as in shirt numbers just so Mark could have a 10 shirt? Yeah, it was always a dream of Mark to wear the number 10. And he, he actually wore it on the weekend for Gloucester. He got his shout again. But yeah, he wore, uh, he wore number 10 and I wore number 12. So that's how far our relationship goes. That's what I'm willing to do for Mark. But um, he's starting to tell stories about me to you guys, so I don't know if I can trust it anymore. Exactly right. I actually remember that game because I remember Nick Mellins uh, pointing out that Mark Atkinson's at ten yeah. and Billy's at twelve, and I thought that's, that's an interesting yeah. development. I, I wonder what yeah, the plan yeah. is here. There, there was no plan. No, there was no plan. It was just it was just simply Mark just wanted to tell people a few years down the line that he's played ten for Gloucester. But um, no, I'm very close with Mark. He's he's one of my real good mates. We went back and had a good uh, a, a good time with him on the weekend, just gone and, and caught up with him. So. Um, so yeah, he's he's one of my closer mates. Just describe yourself as a player then, and what you hope to achieve every time that you go on the field. Um, I think I'm, I'm, it's kind of what I touched on earlier when I said about the reasons I've come over. I'm a, I'm a player who I like to think I wear my heart on my sleeve, and and I, and I try things on the pitch. And um, listen, I'm not going to be a player that that doesn't make mistakes, but I'm a player that will hopefully try and spark things for for a team and and. Um, I just enjoy going out there. I don't take myself too seriously. I just enjoy going out there with my mates and, and playing a good good game of rugby, um, doing what I can for the team and, and hopefully getting good results because that's what makes makes it um, the sport that we all love, I guess, when, when we're playing is, is if you can come off the pitch with, with wins. So, uh, like I said, I enjoy playing with the ball in hand and um, I just just like going out there and, and, and having a good, good time, to be honest. What weight are you, Bill? What weight am I? Yeah. I am uh, 80. Four kilos at the moment. So, in the land of the giant, you're yeah. you're relatively small for rugby. Yeah. So, where I'm going with this is uh, one of the things that everyone talks about in the pub is like, who are the hardest players, biggest hitters, yeah. that sort, sort, so on and so forth. And when it comes yeah. down to like the bravest players, uh, I yeah. always think it's the guys like yourself who are 84 kgs playing alongside you know the Ruinac, like the Mustangs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you consider yourself as fairly brave? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's either brave or stupid. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think so. I, I've, I've, i probably uh, coming out of like schoolboy rugby and, and college. I, I, I didn't enjoy defending at all, um, and you could probably see that. I, I, I missed a lot of tackles in games. But in fairness, since I, uh, since I was at Gloucester, I worked with Johnny Bell. He sort of, I remember the first thing he said to me is, "You're never going to be a player who smacks people backwards and makes big, big tackles." But what you can be is someone who gets people to the floor and um, and chops them real low. And, and that's what I've enjoyed doing. And ever since then, I've, I've sort of had a different outlook on defence. And I absolutely love it. I love both sides of the ball now. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I get my head in the wrong position yeah. and I come off second best. But um, I think as long as that intent's there and, and, and that enjoyment's there, then, then, then that's the main thing. And 
like you said, you've got to remember, I, I'm, I'm small, which means that I can get a lot lower than a lot of these guys. And um, I know it's always said at, at minis rugby and stuff like that, people can't run without their legs. So if I can get lower than them and, and take the legs out, then, then they've got nowhere to go. So Very true. Um, there, there's, there's, there's pluses and minuses. Of course, there's going to be times where, like you said, the, the Ruin Ackermans of this world and, and guys like that can can run run at you and they'll get some some gains off you but uh majority of the time i back myself in defense i like to think that it's not um not thought of thought of as a weakness of mine um so yeah i've, I've just I, I guess i guess bravery is probably probably the main ingredient you must be a supremely confident guy that's why i think not only just because uh you're 84 kg but also like the way that you play yeah no, yeah I, I i am a confident guy i am a confident guy i think um I think you've got to be nowadays. You've got, especially in the, in the role that that fly house play, especially nowadays, you've got to be the leader of the team, and you've got to show that. Uh, I, I think a lot of the time, don't get me wrong, it's not all about fly house. That's not what I'm trying to say. They're a small cog in a big wheel, but I think um, a lot of the time, especially when things are going wrong or not quite going to plan, I think players look to their fly house to, to guide them, and you've got to be that that calm figure who who it sometimes comes across as arrogance, but it's not. It's just making it look like you even when you're not in control making it look like you're in control sometimes so it, it feeds off on other guys around you and um i guess that yeah confidence is, is a massive part of that so um i think in in any fly half nowadays you look at the the johnny sexton's going fouls of this world they, they all carry that presence and, yeah um like i said sometimes it can it can look as as, as arrogance but you can guarantee it it's it's not it's just them hungry to not lose and, and hungry to do the best for their team. Tell me this then, have you ever found yourself in a situation where, you know, you got to show, you know, this outward persona of confidence, but actually you're quite shaken. It's just a case of, okay, I can't let the other lads see that I've been shaken. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there, there are times, there's not too many times because as rugby players nowadays, you prepare for absolutely everything that gets thrown at you. Um, so you, you, you pretty much know what you've got to do in all situations. But yeah, sometimes it is like that. I've, I remember watching. Uh, have you watched that uh, documentary on Amazon Prime, the the uh, Man City one? Uh, not yet. No. There's, there's there's a good part in it that has always stuck with me with Pep Guardiola, where he, he speaks about. Um, they say, oh, "How how do you always get the best out of your players?" Like in halftime team talks, and he was like, uh, "Do you know what? Sometimes I get asked questions, and I don't know the answer, but I give them an answer with just supreme confidence, and they believe in <laughs> me. And, and and sometimes I'm just blagging my way through it, but if I know that." If my players respect me and believe in me and are willing to fight for me and do what I say, then that's half the battle. And 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 I think that's that's quite a quite a key thing in, in across all sorts of sports. To that's be honest, interesting. It's always stuck with me. So I so. do think that is like a road to complete dead end. I'm amazed that that's actually the case because yeah. I do a bit of coaching and I think I'm going to be found out at any time because truth you know truth is with rugby it's such a complex game. It is it it's impossible to know everything. And the more you know the more yep. you realise that you don't know. So if yeah. somebody asks me a question, if I blag it, I know I'll be found out immediately. So I, yeah. I, I always put my hand up and said, I don't know that. I will find out for you by Thursday. I, I get that. I think, I, think, I think it's more, it's, sorry, it's, it, it, it's not blagging it. It's more, um, I'm not sure how to say it, but it, it's, it's more like sometimes you're under such pressure in games and there's things coming from you at all angles that, it's hard to get that clarity and that that clear clear sort of thought process, and, and you're on the spot sometimes, and that's just the way it works. So I think, like on a whole, like I said, you don't want to be doing that too often. You want to, you should know your process, whichever the, whatever the situation is. But sometimes it does come down to just being strong, being confident, and 
getting that message across to the rest of your players so that they can they can believe in you and, and hopefully they can execute their roles. Do you, do you find as a fly half that it's the processing of information that you improve bring in most as as you get older? Yeah, I think it's just like there's so many different situations you find yourself in in games that the more experience you get, the more different situations you find yourself in. If that makes sense, yeah. so. Um, I think it's it, it definitely, especially I've I've found that year on year, um, as a whole, my my games generally improve because I'm I'm understanding the game more, um, and I've been in situations where things haven't been going our way or things have been going really well or we're winning by three points with two minutes ago or we're losing by six with five minutes ago. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and then you sort of it's all about then that muscle memory and re- remembering, and I think that's why analysis is such a big part of it because if you play games and and you don't you don't analyse your performance. You're never going to know what to do when you get in that situation again, yeah. whether you do it right or whether you do it wrong. So um, I think it's just, just those those mental sort of notes that you, you create when, when you play um, that, that make all the difference. And how much analysis do you do? You do? Because you know, I speak to a range of players. And- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The answer on that is always vastly different. Uh, yeah, I do loads. I do a lot. Partly, partly just because I, I love watching rugby. To be honest, with you. I know I sound like <laughs> I sound like a right rugby pig, don't I? But no, no, I think, not at I all. think it's, especially for for me in my position, it's key that uh, I, I think for for fly halves and, and line out calling and stuff, you need to know the role of not just just yourself, but pretty much everybody in the team. Yeah, so that you can, you can guide them. So I wouldn't be confident on a Saturday or a Friday night going into a game if I haven't watched a load of footage before and and. I'm one of those, if I feel more comfortable going into a game and more relaxed, I generally perform better. Um, yeah. So I've sort of just got into a habit of, I'll look at footage pretty much every day, um, probably for a couple of hours a day, write, write my notes out and, and all that, and, and then I'll, I'll be prepared and ready to go in the game. That's amazing. So w- what are you personally looking for from your position? Or are you not going uh, to lo- that? No, no, no. There's loads of different stuff. It's, it's all, it's all pretty, pretty similar, but it's, it's simple things from, have they got a left footer in their back line? Um, does their does their fly half pass well off his left hand, or it's little things like that? What side does their their winger normally step off? Just little things. So, if you find yourself in that position, you can kind of preempt what they're going to do. Um, and I think that's why rugby's sort of improving so much is that players now have got such a wide. What's the word I'm looking for? They've got such a big span of different skills and different abilities that it's hard to be able to read these players nowadays. Yeah. So it's, it, I think it's more, like I said, it's more mentally for me just preparing for a game and knowing that I can go into it with confidence. I actually think that teams watching each other so much, 
that they're starting to become quite similar. So when teams evolve, it seems to be that they'll evolve for one week and then by next week, everyone's caught up with everything. Like there is nothing... If, if there's yeah. a move, for instance, that Sale are running this week, you can guarantee if it was successful, Wasps will be running it next week. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's, I think that's that's the thing is you look at your Saris and your, your Leinsters, their ability to bring things out that people haven't done before mm. sets sets them apart from the rest at the moment, I think. And and that just comes down to just watching games of rugby and, and just being inventive and sort of creating things almost out of nowhere. And sometimes you are going to make something that's going to make you look like a bit of a tit. But if you can make that one, it, it might be that one thing out of five or six goes and that could be the difference in, in winning or losing a game. Yeah. Exactly. So, as the guy who's responsible for making the backline go, and you know, for the game management in general, I mean, do you watch your tape? Do you go back to Dan McFall and say, uh, "Do you know what? I think this might be a good idea for for this week." Or is it all very much dictated from up high? Like, this is the game plan. This is what you will do. No, definitely, it's um, and it's not just just down to the fly half either. I think um, that's that's the thing that I've really enjoyed with with Dan McFarland, and, and in credit credit to Johan Ackerman last year as well. He was pretty similar. They they understand that they're not the ones out on the pitch and, yeah. and watching a game and being involved in a game are two completely different things. So you might be seeing something up in the stands with a bird's eye view that we're not seeing down on a pitch and, and vice versa. So you've got to have players input and I, I firmly believe that. And I think you've only got to look at um, any videos that are done over sort of six nation squads or the Lions tours, you know, those, those videos that they do. A lot of that is player led and, um, you need guidance from from coaches, definitely, but you also need um, players that, that are going to have their input. Because I'm a firm believer that if if players have an input in it as well, they take more pride in in that, and and, and they're more willing to make it work. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that interaction between coaches and players is is, is crucial. Mm. Now, uh, just on Ackerman, almost everyone that I've spoken to that has been coached by him absolutely loves him. Can you just give me a little bit of background and a, a little bit of your experience about what it's like playing for him? I think he's just one of those guys that um, he he builds good relationships with his players um, mm. and and he and he wants to know the person more, more than anything. He wants to know more about you. He, he wants to know where you're from. He wants to know how many dogs you've got. All this sort of stuff. I mean, <laughs> it seems so irrelevant, but he, yeah. he, he's someone that you, you like and, and, and you want to play for and, do you know what? Dan McFarlane's been exactly the same um, here. He, he He's come in and, and he wants to spend time with his players, getting to know them, getting to know what makes them tick because there's going to be days where you're going to come in and, and, and you're slightly down. And, and if you know what gets that person up and gets them, gets them going, that, that, could be, that could be crucial. So I think it's just um, their ability to, to know, the, know their players and, and, and know what makes them tick, really. And what do you think uh, is a good way to influence a, a professional rugby player now? I can only answer on what what works for me, and I think for me, it all comes back to just that the, the single best thing for me in rugby is is there's no better feeling than the winning a, winning a game and spending that time in the change rooms and out on the pitch with with players after you've just put your body on the line for 80 minutes. You're sore, you might have broken bones and bruises everywhere, but I think it's just that that hunger to win and that desire to win. And, and like you said, I think to a certain extent, you've either got it or you haven't. Um, yeah. And I certainly know that in this this Ulster squad that I'm in at the moment, the hunger to win and the hunger to perform and do well is um, above and beyond what what I've what I've uh, experienced before. And um, I think that's a massive recipe in in success. I think I'd much rather have someone with a little less talent who's desperate desperate to win than someone who's really talented but don't really care if it goes either way. And and and, and that's honest truth. So 
I think it's just that hunger and desire to to win, perform, and do the best for yourself and the guys around you. If you don't mind, I just want to go back to the move over to Ulster and actually the yeah. the IRFU stuff. Yeah. Prior to you realizing that your time at Gloucester was ending. Um, yeah. Did the IRFU let you know that you were uh, Ireland qualified or was this just kind of a late thing which... No, I, 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 I always knew I was Irish qualified. And, um, and were they actively keeping in touch? No, no, I don't think... I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm not sure they're even allowed to do that. Um, I, I don't know either. I've got no idea. No, I mean, I, presumably I'm not sure. Continue... No, it, it, was, it was very much to me. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I played age group rugby for, uh, for England. I played England 18s and England 20s and I, and I loved my time there. Um, but for me, it was more about moving to the club. A, a lot was made out in the press about me coming over to play for Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, great. I do want to play for Ireland, but my main reason for coming over here was to play for Ulster and to perform and to win trophies with Ulster. Mm. Um, and and whatever comes off the back of that will, I'm a million miles off. Not a million miles off, but I'm, I'm a little way off being an international rugby player. Um, and I know that. And I felt like this was the best place for me to come and improve as a player. Um, and, and that was the main thing. So um, I, I don't want to be that guy who's come over here just to play for Ireland and just to play in the World Cup and all that because that's not that's not it. I want to come here and I, I want to do well for my, for my province and, and perform and, and win trophies here. But, I mean, you must feel that you're closer to that international spot which everyone wants in Ulster than you were in England just just, yeah. just because of yeah, the setup. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think that just comes from, like I said, you've, to, get in, to get selected for these... Um, international side you've got to be playing week in week out rugby and this is why I felt best that I'd be playing week in week out rugby in a style of rugby that shows my talents the best and and, and it's as simple as that really um, so I, I, I spoke to, to Joe on the phone the other day when, when they announced the squad and um, he gave me a few work-ons which was great and, and just to know that you're even in the mix and, and close just drives you to take that extra step to improve and, and hopefully awesome. push in there for the next one so Oh, yeah, it's good. So, if you don't mind, don't mind me asking, you don't need to tell me what Joe said your work ons are. But what do you think that your work ons are? Yeah, I think um, I think for me, like I've I've touched on I've touched on a lot that I love playing attacking rugby and stuff. But there's also a time where um, you have to play that more pragmatic game and play field position and, and uh, put your forwards on the front foot. And I think for me, it's probably just still that balance of not trying to play too much and not trying to play too much in my own half. Um, and then there's just other little things, just just uh, taking the ball to the line and, and having a go myself and those sort of things, which I pride myself on, and it's just improving on them. Yeah, what you're currently doing now, but five percent better or whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and there's there's going to be parts of my game that I'm going to have to improve on that I probably haven't delved into as well. Um, but I think that just comes with, like I said, just just learning the basics of my game and, and improving week on week out, and then slowly grasping those other things as well. Now, when you were a lad growing up, how much influence did Freddie have on your career? And was it him going through the academy structures and then making first team, which made it seem an awful lot more achievable once you saw your brother do it? Yeah, definitely, it was. Um, I, uh, I, I sort of, I remember going down and I actually did a, a week's work experience with Bath Rugby. Um, <laughs> my, my, my last, my last year of school or my second second to last year of school and I went in and I followed the academy and Fred was in the academy and they just looked like they were having such good fun it seems like such, seemed like such a good sort of um, sort of lifestyle I guess and, and I, I loved playing rugby and the fact that you could do that as a job and do that every day sort of blew my mind at the start so um, it was sort of seeing that and then like you said seeing Fred go through the ranks and play for, for England under 18s and England under 20s and then go and 
getting his full debut against uh, New Zealand and, and all that was just little things that added to, to, to making me want to get there myself. What is the best thing about being a professional rugby player? What's, what's the worst thing whilst you're thinking Tra- of the best thing? Training in the rain and the wind. I love training. Well, I hate wind. Rain is great. Oh, yeah, well, probably every day when it's raining is not ideal. But um, <laughs> no, obviously that and, that and injury, injury's got to be the worst thing. There's no there's no worse place to be than a rugby player when you're injured. Um, best thing, the best thing is just, Joe, it's just the everyday sort of crap that you have going in and um, you do it. We're lucky that we're doing a thing that we, we love to do. And I still look at rugby as a hobby, not really a job. Um, and and I, I know that I'm, I'm lucky to do that. So it's just going in and, and enjoying that side of it, I guess. That's awesome. There's nothing worse than if you're interviewing a guy or you're just talk, talking to him and you can tell that the, that flame has gone out because I imagine once that's happened, it is a grim place to be. Oh, do you know what? I wouldn't put my body through it if I wouldn't enjoy it because it's just, like you said, it's it's too much hard work and, and you've, got, you've, got, you've got to enjoy it to, to do this job, I think. Completely agree. If you don't mind, we've done Steve, right? Who is Rocco? Uh, that's also me. <laughs> so uh, why are you Rocco and Steve? My reason for being Rocco was Rocco's actually got a story behind it. Was um, We were training uh, at Gloucester and I scored a hat-trick of tries in a training session. It was when Rocco had just come up. Uh, Rocco de Gooney had just yeah. come on the scene for Bath. And I started running around. They, they, they were singing the song, um, Oh, Rocco de Gooney. And anyway... <laughs> I scored a try and I started running around going, oh, Rocco de Bernie, because my second eight burnt. <laughs> and it just stuck and everybody started calling me Rocco. And the rest is history, I guess. Now, what so is... it's a much better story than the nickname Steve. For yeah, sure. yeah, it, it definitely is. Now, yeah. um, what is the best nickname that you've come across in rugby? Oh, wow, that's such a tough question. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. There's so, so, there's so many good ones like boys pull out, but a lot of them are very rude so yeah it's sort move. of like the innocuous ones like sausage legs and that uh, yes, yes sausage legs is well Aki called himself that so I don't know if you can, <laughs> you can claim that as a nickname but now there's loads of there's loads of them out there but I've had I've had hundreds of nicknames from Postman Pat to Susan Boyle to bloody <laughs> everything everything under the sun so. Susan Boyle's excellent yeah I know I know I shouldn't have said that I've just I've just lined myself up haven't I yeah completely um, what's kicker's toe <laughs> Very good, very good. Um, I've got a, I've got a lump on the end of my toe, um, which ever, we all thought was a bunion at first, um, and it wasn't until I had a scan on it uh, a couple of uh, months ago. It's actually a broken bone in my toe, which I've been playing with for the last few years. But anyway, all the boys used to say, "Oh, you've got a bunion." That's disgusting. I say, "No, it's kicker's toe. It's from when you kick, you, you practice your kicking so much, it grows on your foot." There you um, go. But it never quite stuck with any of the boys. They never believed me, but. These questions are gradually getting worse from him here, so I'm not sure I'm doing I actually quite like the fact that you've got a professional and chronic injury there. I, mean, that, yeah, I know, that, I know, I know. Self, self-diagnosed as well. Yeah, I mean, that to me is, is a sign of a true professional. I love I know, that. I know, I know. Why is your favourite food ketchup? Uh, my favourite food's not ketchup. Um, I, I've got a phobia of ketchup. Oh, yeah, um, someone told me about this. Yeah, I... Uh, Again, it's a self-acclaimed phobia, but I, I, so my girlfriend, Jay, keeps ketchup in the house, but she has to hide it because I just can't stand the sight of it, the smell of it. It, no. just, it makes me sick. makes me sick. That's, that's amazing. Well, so yeah. well, why? When, when did this happen? 
Um, I, I honestly don't know. I must have had a bad experience as a kid or something. I've, I don't think I've ever tried it, but I just I've never gone anywhere near the stuff. And and is so, it like the viscosity of it? I mean, what? It's everything, mate. It's everything about it. It's just the bottle, the smell, the way that people dunk their chips in it and stuff. It just makes me sick. So you, you know, just. I just don't like it, mate. So every time I used to go out for food with Aki, which would be most most nights, pretty much, he'd always always say to the say to the uh, the person serving us, whatever, put um, arm, can you get him some ketchup, please? And they'd always bring me over ketchup, and it would just I'd go white as a ghost, and I hated it. That is astounding. So hang on, I need to just dig a bit deep here. What if it's a different color? Would would, would you still know? Yeah, so yeah, like, I would. Uh, I don't really. Sauces ain't really my thing anyway, to be honest. You're not a big condiment like, guy. Not, not really, nah. Like, not really. But like, I, I just, it's just, just ketchup, mate. Even thinking about, it, I just don't like it. I don't like the stuff at all. But, I think. But do you, know, do you know what the weirder thing is? Is my other brother Sam has got exactly the same thing. Yeah, and we're, and we're probably the only two people that I've ever known who've got it that bad. Weirdly, like, I, I feel that I've heard this somewhere else. I, I feel that yeah. I've listened to a podcast or something, and this ketchup phobia has come up because as soon as you yeah. mentioned it, I was like, "What?" Well, I'm glad that because none of the boys believed me when I said it was a phobia, and it's genuine. So, if there is something out there, can you send it on to me so I can send it on to those boys and stick my two fingers up at them? One hundred percent, mate. One hundred percent. Ask him about his Audi A1. That seems fairly mundane, but let's give it a go. Um, I had an Audi A3, um, which I thought was like the best car. And the boys used to always ask me how my Audi A1 was because <laughs> um, we had a thing that Audi A1 was a woman's car. So they'd always ask me about my A1. And uh, yeah, again, it's it was just a running joke, really. Yeah, These are good questions. I'm enjoying these, actually. It's, it's bringing good memories back. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do tend to agree with him on... On the Audi A3 A1. I mean, an Audi A3 is basically what you get when you're middle management at Hayes. Hang on a minute. This was an Audi A3 with black alloys and black windows. So yeah, it was it was a little it, it was it was pretty it was pretty badass, mate. Uh, what are you driving at the moment? Is this another question from Mark? Or is this just your no, question? no, no. That, that's just me uh, being a great interviewer. I'm actually driving. I'm actually driving a, a GLE at the moment. Oh, nice. Um, which is very nice. Yeah, we've got. We got a little dog at the moment, Aussie, and one more coming in a couple of weeks. So we had to get a bit of a bigger car. Ah, yeah, it's it's definitely an improvement uh, from an A3. By the way, do you guys, as a rugby club, get like a, a discount from a local dealer? Yeah, no, so it's not a local dealer. We um, so Ulster Rugby um, have a sponsorship with BMW. Um, so so they've also sorted. So my, my girlfriend drives a BMW that they've um, they gave us, which is a nice little X3. And then there's a company called Westgate VIP who sort us all out. Um, Sort of not not just professional uh, rugby players, but just general sort of footballers and, and all that, and it's just really good deals for us guys, basically, which is uh, which is quite handy. One of the perks of the job for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just off on a tangent a little bit, right? Yeah. Now, I was off out in Manchester a few weeks ago, yeah. and I bumped into uh, someone I didn't know that plays plays rugby, and yeah. of all the people he was with, he was with a guy who sells luxury cars to sports people, <laughs> mostly like Manchester United and City. Yeah. So we get chatting, and I'm thinking, like, this is a dangerous guy to be hanging around with. Particularly, like, if you're a young man on a rugby salary and, yeah. you know, you've got a lot yeah. of disposable income, this is probably not the guy you want to be speaking to. You want to be putting it in your ice or <laughs> yeah. some such yeah. thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I started quizzing him, and I was amazed by this. He's like, um, yeah, well, the way that we sell it is, uh, look, if you're on £30,000 a year and you needed a car, right, you would say, well, you, you know, you can probably afford 10% of your disposable income. 
well, we just do the yeah. same calculation for footballers. I was like, well, what kind of card does that get you? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he started naming. Oh, it doesn't get you. It gets you a collection of cars. So there are lads <laughs> in. Um, Bloody old edge just round us where like City United players uh, live. And yeah. I, I won't mention any names, but they're not leasing one car; they're leasing like six or seven. Yeah, I know it's a different world, isn't it? It's amazing. Different world. All based on fair the fact. Place them. Fair place them. Yeah, and it's, that's all based on the fact that if you happen to earn thirty k a year and you could afford ten percent of your salary, well, here you go, have six cars. Yeah. So avoid those people, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. <laughs> Finally, he says um, he's asking, "Where would I get?" The best pint of Guinness at Cheltenham. Oh, the Tivoli. It's a great pub. It's a great pub. I was actually, I actually had a pint of Guinness with him on the weekend, and he knows it's it's a little soft spot of mine. It's probably it's probably my favourite pub. I'm not. It might be my favourite pub ever. You know. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's just such a nice, relaxing place, and I've got a soft spot for a pint of Guinness, and, and they've always done me well in there. So. I used to always be dragging Aki in there um, after a good win. Oh, so sorry. Do you know what? When he when it says there, uh, ask him the best pint of Guinness in Cheltenham. I'm assuming yeah. he meant Cheltenham Festival. He means Cheltenham the town. Town, yeah, no, 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 the town, yeah. Uh, and what makes it so special? Um, it's just it's just great, mate. The environment's great. The Guinness is great. It's cold. It's smooth. It's creamy. It's just a great, it's a great environment, mate. It's not, it's no, I haven't got a bathroom to say it, I'm honest. It's very well, it's very well priced as well, so can't complain. And have you found a similar haunt over in Belfast yet? Um, I haven't yet, no. I've, I've actually had many enjoyable pints of Guinness over here, but I haven't found an establishment that's quite as relaxing and um, as enjoyable as the Tivoli. The only other place I would say in Cheltenham, actually, for all the Cheltenham listeners, is... The Rotunda. Doesn't look like a great place outside. You walk past and you think, I'm not going in there. It'll be full of old men and horrible. But it's a, it's very nice in there, actually. Ah. So, so I, when, you're, when you're in Cheltenham for the races next, they're, they're your two pubs, the Tivoli and the Rotunda. you have a great time. Yeah, so uh, Cheltenham, I assume, is where all the Gloucester lads live. Uh, yeah, most of them. Most of them. A few boys do live in Gloucester, but Cheltenham's just down the road. Um, and there's just a little bit more to do in Cheltenham. So most of the boys sort of live across there. So I'm going to assume that you haven't found the equivalent of these pubs in Belfast yet because you've not been to them all yet or you're just not settled. But in order to get you settled, were there any team building? Uh, who have you found that you've bonded with Bonded with so, so far that's taken you out for a beer? Um, do you know what? I've, we've got such a young squad over here. Um, like, everybody gets on real well. There's not, it's, it's not, it, 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 there's not really little groups like I, I've got on really well with Stu McCluskey the, the, um, the 12 who's, who's been good with me he lives just down the road so he's been showing me about which has been nice um, David Shanahan the scrum half John Cooney those guys have all been good uh, Will Addison obviously I, I knew Will Addison only just through playing with him so um, we're both new to it over us so we've sort of experienced a few different places together which is nice but genuinely on, on a whole all, all the boys are they're, they're top lads so it's um it, you could go out. With, you could go out for a beer with pretty much any of them and have a good time. Well, Bill, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time. Where can we find you on social media, mate? Are, are you often on Twitter or, or any such thing? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and where can we find you? Uh, my Twitter is uh, at Billy Burns Ten, and my Instagram is I think it's the same. I think it's Billy Burns Ten again. Fantastic, mate. Thank you so much. Really, no, no really, really been, do appreciate been good, it. Happy, good coming on. All right, mate. Cheers. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.